Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. I don't know about you, but I needed that. I needed to sing the words that we just, we just sang. Um, just so you know, not every, uh, not every pastor runs into Sunday morning excited. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be honest, today was one of those Sundays. It's been a, a kind of tough couple weeks uh, in our house, and there's been just a lot of things swirling around uh, in my life that have been challenging. And sometimes when you wake up, when I wake up on Sunday mornings, I just, I have a message I got to prepare and preach. And um, but sometimes I just want to stay in bed. I think a lot of you can relate to that, right? <laughs> um, but that song we sang, 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, that's from a, from a psalm where David is actually doing a little self-talk, <laughs> essentially saying, soul, you will bless the Lord. Like, no matter what you feel like, you're going to sing. You're going to speak of, of His goodness and His grace. And that's why I think Sunday mornings are so important, because no matter how I feel, when I come here and I, and I push through my soul, push through my emotions, and I say what is true in song, which is what we just did, something in me shifts, something in me revives. So I want to commend you if you, like me this morning, made yourself get here. Um, and I don't know how many times we, we do that, and then we go, man, that's exactly where I was supposed to be. Um, and so I, I hope that you feel that this morning. This morning, we're going to open up God's word together as we've been singing um, his truth, the truth about who he is. Um, we're going to read it as well. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 15 together. If you have the Pew Bibles, it will be page 928 for most of those. If you don't own a Bible, then we would love for you to take the one in the pew in front of you home. It's important that you have your own. We intentionally, some churches put their names in them. We do not, so that you can take it and feel, feel guilt-free. You didn't steal it. John chapter 16. Before we read this passage, uh, I want to point out something that, that will connect with the text this morning, and it's... It's the, the reality that in this life, we've all experienced it before, that someone we looked to as an example or for guidance or for direction or for wisdom, somebody like that, that, that played that role in our life, at some point or another, they leave. They're gone. Um, sometimes maybe it's, a, it's you graduated high school, right, and, and now the teachers that you were, that that meant a lot to you, the coach that meant a lot to you, your, your relationship with them is, is, is done. Some of you, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine who lost his dad uh, around the same time as I lost my dad. It's, it's the death of somebody in your life. But w- whatever season or whatever, wherever you're at in life, at, at some point we've all experienced this. Someone we look to as an example, someone we called and asked for advice, all of a sudden we can't do that anymore. They're not with us. And this is the context for John chapter 16. Jesus has been uh, walking with his followers for some time. And they have been, 
their whole life has been oriented around his teachings and, and around his, his authority and his power. And now he is telling them, I am going to go. So you can imagine all that is probably stirring in their hearts as they're wrestling with this reality. What now? So that's the context. Let's pick up verse 7. Jesus is going to address their concern here. He says, starting in verse 7, But very truly I tell you, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why the Spirit, I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So when Jesus spoke these words to his followers, he knew that they were going to be scared and confused, and unsure of what to do after he left, Jesus knew that his followers were going to need direction. And so he made them a promise. And the promise is, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. In other words, he's going to show you what to do, how to live. You're not going to be left alone. The, the phrase that Jesus starts out with, the, the, the title that he gives the Holy Spirit is this title of advocate. You see it in verse 7. Depending on your Bible translation, that may, may be translated as counselor or helper. Their original Greek word is paraclete. One who encourages and comforts. If that sounds familiar, it's, it's what Jesus was, what Jesus did. What Jesus is saying is, you are now going to have this same Spirit of God that you've seen in me. You're going to have it with you. When you need guidance and direction, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. At this point in your life, I'm curious to know, where do you look for guidance and direction? Well, if, you're, if you are not a person and you are a sheep, you know what you look for, for guidance? You look to a shepherd, right? But what if the shepherd's not there? Well, this is what happened uh, in a little village in France. And I'm going to show you a video in a minute. Maybe some of you have seen this. Where this lady was trail running through France and through this kind of wooded area. And all of a sudden, a flock of about 100 sheep saw her. They saw her movement moving, and they thought, oh, she's going somewhere. We should follow her. And so while she was running through the woods, another person that was walking through these same woods caught on videotape this amazing scene of a woman being followed by a hundred sheep. <laughs> and so uh, Zeriel's going to show us the video just because I think it's a hilarious uh, illustration. You have to see it for yourself. So Zeriel, if you can put that video on for us. 
When she stops, they stop. There we go. <laughs> so if you're a sheep, where do you look for guidance and direction? Apparently, any warm body, right? Anything that's moving that s- seems like it knows where it's going. And, and let's be honest, at times we can be a lot like sheep, can't we? In fact, Jesus uses sheep as an illustration for us at times, both in a good positive way and sometimes in a not so positive way. And at times, we can be a lot like those sheep. In our lives, whoever seems to be confident and is doing or saying something with passion, well, then they must know something, right? Is that all it takes? Confidence and passion? That must be truth. And so throughout our lives, we get, we get kind of led in different directions. Maybe when you were younger, your friends were the ones that were guiding you and directing you. Call that the blind leading the blind, right? Right? Like, I remember in high school, it's like, we had it all figured out. Tenth grade, we knew what our lives were supposed to be about. And we would talk about it every weekend when we hung out together. We would encourage each other toward it. And we had no idea what we were talking about. But boy, we were pretty certain about it. In our current age, what do we, where do we look to for guidance and direction? Well, if I don't know the answer, what do I do? I have this thing in my pocket. It has access to all the wisdom in the world. All the knowledge that's ever been created. Just Google it. Now we even have artificial intelligence that can write our job descriptions for us. That can answer the deepest questions uh, about theology and purpose. It can even write our college papers for us. We have our culture. Our culture which one moment says this thing and the next generation says this thing. That flies this flag and that flag that says we should do this and we should do that, where do we look to for guidance and direction? And this is an important question for us as Christians to ask continually because we have access to the truth. We have access to God himself. And it works like this. This is what Jesus is saying in John chapter 16. Essentially, he's saying everything about God, everything about God is found to be true in Jesus. And all of that truth that's found in Jesus is present with us in the Holy Spirit. Let's say that one more time. Everything about God is found to be true in Jesus, and all of that truth is present with us and the Holy Spirit. In other words, we have access to the mind of God. But like sheep, sometimes we forget who we belong to, and our eyes get caught on whatever is moving in front of us, and we forget. 
we forget God. When we do remember God, there are a few things that we typically ask God for, and they fall under kind of one heading. Help! Help! When I, when I realize I am powerless, help, Lord. Help me with my, my health. Help me with my finances. Help me with my relationship problems. I can't fix these things myself, so I will ask you, God, for help for those things. What we don't often seek God's guidance for, uh, there are areas that we don't, that, that we should. And I'd say these, these areas kind of fall into two extremes. One of them are really pragmatic things in our lives, and the other extreme would be really emotional things in our lives. Think about this. Pragmatic, being like practical, kind of like, oh, this just makes sense. We often will say, I'll just figure it out. I'll just work through the practicality of it, and I'll, and I'll just do it myself. Or whatever feels good in the moment, that must be what is true, and that's what I'll pursue. So we do this with relationships, right? Oh, she's cute. He's cute. They like me. That must mean we're supposed to be in a relationship with each other. I'm not going to ask God about that. It's just whatever I feel in the moment. We think about this with our career. Well, I mean, the price is right. It's going to provide for my, for my needs. So I'm not going to ask God if I need, of course I need a job. I'm not going to ask him if this is the job for me. We do this with our education. Well, everybody when they graduate high school is supposed to go to college, right? I mean, didn't God say that somewhere in here? Why would I pray about going to college? That's pragmatic, right? This is just what I'm supposed to do. We do this on the, on the emotional side, right? Why would I root, or why would I, why would I pray and ask God what sports team I should root for? Of course it's, no, I'm just kidding. All right, that, that doesn't mean. <laughs> so here's the question. I don't think we ask this enough. Is there anything in your life that you don't think God cares about? Is there anything in your life that you don't think God cares about? As a, as a parent of four children, one of the blessings I have as a dad is to get to see how God uniquely created them. They have unique passions and giftings, some of which maybe are similar to mine, but some of which are not. And as my children have grown, I have learned to care about the things that they care about because I love them. And so when they're wanting to do a particular sport or a particular hobby or pursue particular interests, I want to, to feed that and support that because I love them and I care about them. How many of us have fallen into the belief that God doesn't care about those things? That God doesn't care about the things that we care about? He's only, he's only our consultant that we call when we need help. He's not a good father that wades into the, to the very essence of our lives and has some thoughts on it. So if, as Jesus said, we have access to the mind of God through the Holy Spirit, and one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to guide and direct, 
what does that look like? What does that look like for the, in the life of the believer? Well, two things that Jesus points out here, in going back to verse 8. He says, when he, talking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so we could take this statement and we could really kind of make it into two parts. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to first convict the unbeliever of sin. The Holy Spirit, I'm sure if we went around the room right now, is the one that drew you to Jesus. Showed you where you were wrong. Showed you that the beliefs you had about God and about yourself and about your destiny, they were wrong. He convicted you of the way that you were living and then pointed you to forgiveness in Christ. So the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever of sin. And then for those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, he, the Holy Spirit leads the believer to right living. The Holy Spirit be- leads the believer to right living. This is different than your conscience. The Holy Spirit is not your conscience. The Holy Spirit is the mind of God that says this is what is true and this is what is not. And you feel it when you place your faith in Jesus. When you do what is not right, you feel the weight of that deeper in your heart and your soul and your mind than than anything else because the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Oh, that is not the best for you. There's a sense of almost broken relationship when you go against that. So again, the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever of sin and leads the believer to right living. Later on in Galatians chapter 5, the, the Apostle Paul is writing about the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. And he says, Galatians 5, 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In the, in the Bible, the, the, the flesh is used Uh, as an illustration of of the old nature, the sin nature, one that pulls us away from the truth of God. And so Paul is saying, when you walk with the Spirit, you won't be walking like you used to. There was this song that came out, oh gosh, it's probably almost 10 years ago now, by Selena Gomez. It It was a breakup song. And the chorus of this breakup song said, the heart's, the heart wants what it wants. The heart wants what it wants. That's the the desires of our flesh. Oh, that's what I want. Even if it's not good for me, my flesh, my sin nature pulls me towards those things. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, heals our hearts. Heals our hearts. Let me just briefly give, obviously we could talk about the Holy Spirit for weeks. But let me just give you a few other things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And we see this from Scripture. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, it changes our thinking. Gives us the mind of God. Changes our thinking. Gives us the mind of God. The Holy Spirit affirms our identity as sons and daughters because we need to be reminded of that, don't we? Who we are. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts to use for God's kingdom The Holy Spirit sustains us in difficult times. 
And as we just read, the Holy Spirit confirms what is true and warns us of what is not. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Continuing on with the idea of walking, this kind of illustration, and Paul continues after Galatians 5.16, 5.25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25. If you this morning are struggling with habitual sin, if you feel like God is distant or doesn't care, if your life feels too fast and chaotic, confused, or you just feel stuck in place, you may need to take a walk. You may need to take a walk. Now, bear with me for a minute on this illustration. There's some things that, that walking does that is unique to walking. When you go for a walk, one of the things you get is you get perspective. You see things that you never saw before. This is true in a city like Renton. You can drive down 3rd or 2nd Street in Renton every day going to work. And you'll see certain things, won't you? But the first time you walk down 3rd Street or 2nd Street, you will see things you've never seen before. I didn't know there was a bookstore here. What? This, place, this little plant shop looks really, really cool. Very expensive, but very cool. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, when you walk, it's a different, you get a different perspective on the surroundings that you're in. I remember just growing up in my, my small town, there were streets that I had never walked before, and the first time I walked them, I was blown away at the shops and stores that I had never seen, even though I had driven by them for years. Another thing that walking does is you move more than your body when you go for a walk. Your emotions, your spirit, they also move. And sometimes this is what allows you to identify what is actually going on. There's a rhythm to walking. And then lastly, when we think about walking, walking is the best mode of transportation for relationship. It's the best mode of transportation for relationship. All of your senses are engaged when you go for a walk with the person around you. You're all experiencing the same thing, the same smells and sounds and sights. Walking is one of the things that we do regularly as a family. We have little loops in our neighborhood. And whenever we go for a walk, conversation happens, observations happen. Sometimes perspective even changes. Sometimes we go for walks when it's just a beautiful day and we want to get out. Sometimes we go for walks when there's something difficult happening or when we're feeling low. It's amazing how a walk can sync us up in a way that nothing else can. And here's the interesting thing. The first indication that something was wrong between God and humanity, the first clue had to do with a walk. Genesis chapter 3 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was what? Walking in the garden. 
in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God. What had just happened? They had just committed the very first sin of humanity. And when God, God desired to, to continue the relationship, walking with them, and they were nowhere to be found, the first indication that something was wrong started with a walk. But Jesus, Jesus restores to us the ability to walk with God by giving us the Holy Spirit. In his very first sermon, right after this promised advocate would come, Jesus is gone. His disciples have now received the promise of the Holy Spirit, God with them. Peter preaches this line. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? That sin that entered the earth through that garden moment, that has affected your life, now there is a way out of it, and there is a way to be reunited with God. You can now, once again, walk with God. Again, thinking about what walking does. The best mode for relationship. The perspective we need. The truth that comes from it. When we turn to God, we lose our sin. And we gain forgiveness in relationship with God. Imagine that you are living in a rundown house full of trash. And you are years behind on your rent. And then one day, the richest most powerful man in the country comes by and says, listen, I'm going to pay back your rent that you owe. I'm going to take care of all of your trash. And I have got a mansion on a lake ready for you to move into. I say lake because that's where I'd want to live. But This is exactly what Jesus did. He comes and he restores to us the relationship that we were meant to have with God. He gives us access to God through the Holy Spirit. I mentioned last Sunday that 50 days after Easter is Pentecost Sunday. That was last Sunday. This is the day that the promise Jesus made about the Holy Spirit came true. And the world would never be the same after this. The people of God have the spirit of God and it enables them to be a part of the kingdom of God on the mission for God. We have access to God 24-7. We don't need to look anywhere else for guidance or direction. He loves us. He cares about us. Even the little things of our life. And when we receive Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you're looking for guidance and direction in your life, start with Jesus. If you've already placed your faith in Jesus, you have already received the Spirit. But sometimes, like sheep, we get lost and confused. We don't lose the Holy Spirit, but we ignore Him. We stop listening to Him, and then we end up lost. But He's still there, doing what only He can do, guiding, directing, teaching, 
calling us into righteousness. And so church family, this morning, he's inviting all of us, me included, to go for a walk, to stay in step with him, to have the kind of relationship with him that he desires to have with us, and that is Holy Spirit powered and enabled. Isn't that good news? It's not your enabling. It's not your power. It's his. That's why the Holy Spirit is a, a gift, a gift that we're to receive. So as we sing this last song this morning, sing it if you want. Pray if you need to. Listen. But respond. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God's mind to come to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that everything about you we get to see in Jesus. All the truth of who you are is then given to us through Jesus by your Spirit. We have access to you. We may feel alone at times, but you are with us. Your Spirit is always with us. Oh God, may we May we keep in step, not running ahead of you or taking our eyes off of you. Would you realign us with your love and your compassion? Thank you that you're a God that cares about every little detail. Jesus, you reminded us of that when you said the birds of the field or the air, the flowers in the field, all of those things, they have their needs taken care of. How much more? Do you love us? Oh, we need to hear that, Lord. What a gift you've given us. Guide us and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.